another episode of Talking Engagement, the show that tries to give you actionable tips and insights to make both yours and your team's working days as absolutely amazing as possible. I am your host, Ben Lind. Uh, I want to welcome everybody back to the show. I know that there's been a slight, um, let's say, a slight delay between this and the last episode coming out. Um, it's been about four and a half months. Uh, and the reason for that is that I was, um, as a lot of people were, taking a little bit of time out of the company uh, on furlough. But that's not why you guys chose to tune in. And I want to just say thank you to each and every one of you uh, for coming back and for listening, um, for all the comments as well while I've been away about the show. It um, really does kind of give me the motivation to to carry on doing this and to uh, to bring you guys some more interesting guests. And speaking of interesting guests, I have one coming right up. Now, my guest today uh, comes to the show with a simple suggestion that every single one of us could be wasting over 11 hours of our week. That's like literally every week right now these days, um, doing things that aren't super important to our roles. We're too busy doing the wrong thing that we don't have enough time to do the right thing. So whether that's you're trying to understand how to give yourself an absolute rocket up the backside and come out of lockdown fighting as fit as possible, or you are a manager that is struggling to stop doing your old job, you know, and start helping your the team that you're managing to do theirs. Um, my guest is somebody that you're really going to want to speak with. He is the creator of The Diary Detox, and he goes by the name of Paul Holbrook. So with no further ado from me, please do welcome Paul to the show and uh, enjoy. All right, Paul, thank you very much for joining me on uh, Talking Engagement today. For, for people who don't know you, uh, do you want to give us a quick run through of who you are and what you do? Uh, so my name is Paul Holbrook. Um, if you were to look on LinkedIn, it would, it would say that I help managers uh, who are too busy to do the right thing by stopping them wasting time doing the wrong thing. Uh, I started a business about three years ago after 20 years in the city of London, wasn't a banker, and um, came out to be a coach. And as I started my world of the coaching, people said I'm too busy. And I accidentally found a product called the Diary Detox that helps them be less busy. Now, that sounds like a very interesting product, uh, Paul. I mean, and that was kind of where I came across you on, on LinkedIn. I heard uh, it's What the Flex is, is your podcast series on flexible working, right? What the Flex are you doing? What the Flex are you doing? I can't tell you how many times a day I ask myself that exact same question, but with a slightly different F word. Um, but yeah, I mean, I suppose, where did the idea for that come from, sort of flexible working? Is it, was it just something that was sort of quite prevalent around the time now, sort of the way that work is, or is it something that you had a bit of a passion for going back? So, um, no, it was more recent, but it wasn't because of COVID. Um, mm -hmm. So... Diary Detox came around, like I said, accidentally about three years ago. Mm -hmm. And I can maybe go into that maybe later if, if you're interested. But yeah. what, what became quite clear for me was that, you know, a lot of people look at Diary Detox, they think it's about time management. And it's not really about time management. It's actually about what people do as managers and leaders. And what was very interesting is that as I, towards the middle of last year, I got involved with an organization called Flexbo. And they are the first flexible working um, event, uh, conference event in the country. Mm -hmm. And they used to be very much aligned to individuals who wanted flexible working. Um, and now they're branching out to also include businesses who are struggling to make flexible working work. So I kind of got involved with them. 
And what I realized was that what I created in Diary Detox in terms of helping managers to see what they're really doing and more importantly, what they're not doing, um, it made me realize that actually a lot of the challenges that I'd seen when I was running big teams in the city around flexible working were managers' concerns over how they were gonna make it work. And so by opening managers' eyes to seeing the stuff they should be doing that they're not, it actually helps them fix the behaviors that they need to make something like flexible working work. So that's kind of where it came from. Right, I can see that. So, and I think if we were gonna kind of drill straight down into these behaviors that, that managers are doing, which prevents them from doing the things that they should be doing. Now, where <laughs> my mind immediately goes with that is that they are probably, there's still a lot of managers out there doing the do as opposed to managing the other people who are doing the doing as it were. So it's, would I be correct in assuming that part of the diary detox is sort of freeing up managers and I suppose this word's quite overused, but you know, leaders as it were to, to be exactly that, to, to manage and to lead. Absolutely. Um, so the, 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 the big challenge that I see, uh, and, and I saw it all the way through my career and that's pretty much why I left that career, um, was that, I mean, I, when, I, when I, I went from being, I was a technologist originally, I actually wrote code. I was a developer when I first mm -hmm. started. And after about two years, I realized that I was more interested in how people worked than I was in how computers worked. So I naturally started going up the management track and helping people to, um, to do things better. What was really interesting is that although I wasn't, I wasn't unique by, you know, by any stretch of the imagination, but I, I wasn't, comp, you know, what, the way I was wasn't very common. And what I mean by that, talking to your point was, when I became a manager, I thought that my sole role was to be a manager, to make it as simple as possible for others to do their job. That was my job. But that wasn't the common assumption that most managers in the city had. What they would normally say is, um, yeah, yeah, well, I'm a manager now, so I don't mind managing some people on the side. And what that really told you is my job that used to be is still my job but I'll just have some people responsibility at the same time. And I, I saw it completely the other way around, you know, at the end of the day, you know, if, when you're one person and you're doing a job, if you were to make a mistake in that job, the mistake is limited to you. One person's effect. The problem is when you start managing people, your effect is multiplied. So if you have five, 10, 15, 20, and at my peak, I was 350 people I'd working for me. Imagine if I make a mistake as a manager, by fooling myself into thinking that what I used to do is what I'm still doing. And I'll just manage people a little bit on the side. You have 350 people running around like headless chickens and that is magnifies the problem. Mm. So what diary detox really does is it kind of blows people's myths really okay. about what they think they should be doing and it opens their minds to what they should be doing. And yes, part of it is still doing their old job. That's definitely one of them, but, three really big other ones that hit and, and this isn't just managers this is anybody that hits them is an over-reliance on email uh it's an over-reliance on meetings and it's an inability to to effectively deal with interruptions when they occur and they will occur there is no way around it you have to find a better way to deal with them and that's basically what diary detox does Okay. And it, I suppose, is it worth sort of getting under the hood of that a little bit and sort of looking at how, how, it, how it does what it does? Or, or is that something that people would have to uh, book you in to discuss? Yeah, how dare you ask? No, it's fine. <laughs> no. no, I mean, I, I do something called a discovery, which is like a one hour intro for a company uh -huh. if they want me to. 
Um, and and they, they, they pay a nominal amount for that, but I, I give them all the secret sauce. Um, so there, there's no secrets. Um, so yeah, I mean, it, I, I suppose it's really made up of probably four things, I would say. Um, the first one is, so, so I, you know, I, I used to talk to people in the city. Um, I went to a training course once, and this was a company who had had a, um, uh, they, they did a pulse survey. You know how companies have their kind of employee surveys. Yes. And the employee survey told them that their people felt 44% well-led. Now that's not good. No. Especially when the company in question, it has 100,000 people in it. So there's your 100,000 headless chickens running around feeling 44% well-led. So they did what any normal company would do. They basically created a management development course, spent millions of pounds on it with a, an American company. And they made it so that everybody that was managing at least one, at least two people, sorry, uh, went on this course and they mandated it. Really important thing, they, have, they mandated it. And when you have to mandate somebody goes on a course, it's never a good sign. So I went to one of the first of these courses and I spoke to a, the most senior guy there in the morning break. And now I thought the course was brilliant. Um, but I spoke to this guy in the morning break. I said, what do you think? And he went, well, yeah, I mean, it's all right. It's nothing I haven't seen before, which in itself was a bit of an eye opener. Mm. But then he, he turned around and said, how am I going to stop people? How am I going to you know, find time to do all this new stuff? And that's kind of what's all this new stuff when I've already got all this other stuff on my plate. And it was like a, an atom bomb going off in my head because I thought, you're basically saying, how are you going to find time to do all this stuff that's going to improve the leadership scores? When you've already got all this stuff on your plate that's given you a 44% leadership score, how do you not see that that is completely the wrong way around? It's like, how am I going to find time to do the stuff I used to do is what you should be saying when I've now got all this brilliant stuff to do. And that's not what they were saying. So it, it, it caught my imagination. And I thought, well, what is that other stuff that he thinks he's doing? And so one of the things that I ended up doing was creating a set of categories, colors and categories. So everything that you do at work every day will fit into one of seven categories. And each of those seven categories fits into one of four colors. Okay. And they break down to green, amber, red, and brown. There's actually a fifth one, but that isn't about work. So the ones that work okay. fall into four categories. So the, I, I'm always not sure which way to do this, whether to do the green one first or the brown one first. So, <laughs> So what I'll say is I'll say the green stuff, so three of the categories were green and the green stuff are leading. They are the essence of what we do when we lead people. And that was thinking about how to make things better, vision, strategy, a plan, and how to remove obstacles, communicating new ideas or meeting new people, which is communicating. Then there's improving and improving is improving yourself. So learning, improving others, teaching, or improving how your business works. So there's three green behaviors and that's basically the improving stuff. That, that's the better green. Then you've got amber. There's two ambers and they're monitoring, checking to see that things are as they should be. And if they're not directing, telling people what to do, giving instructions, barking out orders. Okay. Mm -hmm. And if you do those, that's what keeps things where they are. Are we where we thought we'd be? If not, let's get to where we should be. That will put you where you should be, which is the same. Now from a manager, if you spend, not enough time doing those two, you're probably spending a lot of your time red and red is doing. Doing is the transactional stuff. So if you're a salesperson, yeah. it's selling. If you're a coach, it's coaching. Uh, if you're an accountant, it's accounting. And the thing is, is that if you spend too much, not, not any, but just too much of your time on the red, it'll actually make things worse for your business because you're not spending time on the green and amber stuff. 
And then finally, there's another one, which is the brown one, and that is floating. And it's floating because... <laughs> yeah, you get it. Yes, get it. quite deliberate, I would assume. I mean, yeah, you're, you're actually quite quick. You caught on because I saw your, your face flicker. Um, and yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's named purposefully. So brown things that float are waste. And that's the point is waste. But it's not necessarily intentional waste. It could be unintentional waste. Like when you go to a meeting and you don't know why you're there, that is floating because chances are if you don't know why you're there then how on earth do you know if you're going to give it value mm -hmm. so everything you do at work will fit into one of those seven categories and you look at the description of it and you compare it and you go it's that one and it's that that implies the color mm -hmm. so what the, one of the things that diary detox does is it basically colors your diary as soon as you apply those colors to everything you do it starts to turn your diary into a heat map and depending on how much green, amber, and red you should see, you should expect to see, it tells you how far or close you are to that ideal. So that's one of the things. Um, the other thing it does is it keeps you really focused on what you should be doing um, in terms of targets. You know, we have objects, everybody has objectives, or well, actually, that's not always true. Many people have objectives, but they're usually checked once a year, maybe once every six months. And by then, when you find out you haven't achieved it, you get chastised for it. And by then the company hasn't got the value it should have got for paying you a salary. So one of the things that um, Diary Doctors is it gets you very much focused on what those true objectives are, not activities. It's not like I want you to go and call 20 people. That's, that doesn't really give you much. Yeah. I want you to make sales of X. Yeah. So it gets you focused on the colors. It gets you focused on the target. Um, the other thing that it does, there's two more. One is this thing called a weekly diary detox. And every week, you go through five steps that spell out the word detox, D-E-T-O-X. And it's those five steps that you do for half an hour, once a week. And it's those that get you to reflect on your color and how well you've achieved your targets in the past week. But it also gets you to plan out your future week so that you are better placed to achieve your targets in advance. And then the last thing, you know, we've got this weekly detox that plans your week out, but not everything always goes to plan. And remember, I said one of the big problems we have are interruptions. How do you deal with interruptions? And the last thing it does is it shows you this process called a spot diary detox. So that if at the moment somebody comes up to you and goes, Ben, have you got sick? Now, mostly our natural instinct for many is to say, yeah, 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 I'll help you out. And before you know it, half an hour, an hour, hour and a half gone. And you, don't, and you don't know why. And you, what you realize is that you've missed what you should have been doing. So what the, di the spot diary detox does is it gives you a way of applying those five steps in 20 seconds to get you to think, hang on a minute, do I really want to be interrupted right now? And it gives you a way of deferring it. It gives you a way of doing it straight away, or it gives you a way of batting it off so you never get interrupted with it again. So those are kind of the four things that the Diary Detox does to help you become more respectful of your time and to get other people to respect your time. I mean, that, that's, that's really interesting because I think especially sort of the world that we're living in now, you know, we're seeing businesses... Um, you know, either looking to sort of rapidly consolidate and sort of get back to the place that they were, or indeed, you know, they're looking to, you know, come out of this even stronger and sort of sustain a period of growth, right? So, you know, I always kind of think about, you know, I've been thinking about that sort of through the through the lens of my own experience as, you know, somebody with a, you know, with a, with a commercial objective at the end of the day, you know, it's it's very important that that people in, in the sales role are able to, 
segregate their time. And, you know, you'll often hear people talk about sort of the, the golden hours as they're referred to, which are sort of the optimum times in which to reach people um and it's funny because even just since coming back from um from some time out of the business it's been something that that i've looked to do you know which is sort of schedule um sort of any sort of key i suppose like outbound activity like prospecting and things and um, would be sort of in the morning kind of nine through to about half twelve ish then you have a spot of lunch have a bit of a break and in the afternoons would be sort of when i would historically you know do meetings do you know things like this, record some podcasts, create some content uh, and whatever else it might be. And it's just sort of having that, certainly having that segregation between, you know, the things that I absolutely need to do, these are business critical. And then some of the more, you know, like this sort of a, a nice to do for me rather, um, you know, something that maybe speaks more to the, to the creative side of my brain rather than just the functional side. Um, you know, I, I found that from a, from a focus perspective, that's been really useful. Yeah, it, I mean, it, I, I think it's massively important um, because one of the things that I, I mean, w one of the outcomes of the weekly detox of planning your week in advance, and some people who listen to this would go, really, that, that doesn't sound good, but it's really important is that if you do it correctly, your future week ends up with with no gaps in it, which some people look at it and go, really, well, but how are people going to book time with me? And the point is, they ask you, they make a case for your time. And actually, there's loads of space there. It just doesn't look the way it used to. So at the moment, anytime you haven't booked in with a meeting with somebody or yourself, um, probably is showing there as empty space. Yeah. Now, what, what I found on my journey is that the majority of space that is left empty in a week in the future usually ends up one of two colors, red or brown. Usually, it's brown. Okay, we tend to waste our time inadvertently. We don't, re you know, it, we, we can't be blamed for it because we don't realize it's just, it leaks away. And so what, I, what the weekly detox does is it plans people's time out in advance. And you're talking about time blocking and you can use time blocking in conjunction with weekly detox. There, there, there's, no, um, there's no conflict there at all. Okay. Um, but what's really interesting is that as soon as you block all your time out, um, you will have a series of green, amber, red, and hopefully no brown things in there, because if it's there, why the hell would you have that? But what's interesting is that every bit of green you see in your diary is space. And it isn't really space. It's just things, because at the end of the day, if, if somebody were to come and interrupt you next week, having planned all your week out, <laughs> the colours, whilst they give you a sense of whether you're managing, leading, doing, or floating... They also give you a hint as to where you can claw back time if you're if you're desperate for it. Now, of course, if it's brown, then fine. Do something more useful than the brown thing. We kind of get that. It doesn't doesn't take a you know a brain surgeon to figure that one out. But if you choose to do something when somebody interrupts you and you are planning to do something red, be really careful. Red means stop because something mm. won't get done, and that's something that you should be doing. If you were supposed to be doing something amber, that's a warning because amber is usually checking you're checking to see that things are as like so for example you might be checking in with a client to see how customer service is going yeah. so you can choose not to do that but if you don't do it you might not notice that a client is having a problem so it, the amber means stop before you remove that just think about it green means go okay and the the, the worst thing that's going to happen from not doing something that's green thinking communicating and improving is that you will delay something getting better. Now, when you're up against it, 
you can tolerate not improving for a short period of time, but you can't tolerate not doing your job and you can't tolerate uh, not checking to make sure that things are okay because those are the balls that you will drop. And often we allow ourselves to get interrupted mostly when we're doing red stuff. And of course, once you come back, you go, well, I haven't done it. And then you have to work late hours to make up for the work you didn't do. Whereas if you don't do something that's green, look, if, if, if it happens over and over again, then be very, very careful. But on the odd occasion, your space is green and it, and it does give you some freedom to say, well, I'm not going to do that today. Then I do it all the time. So you can, so it would be acceptable to sort of delay maybe some of the more sort of blue sky thinking type affairs in order to, you know, assist a colleague or kind of help out with a shortfall or, or whatever it might be. Absolutely. I mean, it, it depends. It, I mean, it's interesting when somebody interrupts you, one of the things that gets you to think about is what was the color of the thing that you were being interrupted by? Sorry, that you're going to be interrupted from doing. The other thing it asks you is what is the color of the thing that you would end up doing? And what's interesting is like, let's, let's say somebody comes and interrupts you and says, Ben, I've got a bit of a problem. Um, you've got, you actually have a choice to do any one of the three colors, green, amber, and red. If they're having a problem with, a, let's say, a call, you could choose to go and have the call for them. Red, okay? That's a red behavior. You're doing it for them, okay? The other thing you could do is you could tell them how to do it. You could say, right, well, what I'd do is I'd ring them this way and I'd write out a script, okay? And what you're basically doing there is you are telling them how to do it. That is amber, that's directing. You're giving someone instruction. Yeah. Or... And it, and it does take longer, but the long-term effect is much better. You could say, okay, what have you tried? And they talk through what they tried. You say, okay, so what would be, if I weren't here right now, what would you do? What, 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 what's your kind of natural instinct tell you? Well, I think about doing X. And most of the time, they get it right. And you go, you know, that sounds like a great idea. Give that a go. It doesn't work. Come back and give me a shout. That's green. You just coach them. That's what coaching is. Not telling That's, them what to yeah. do. You're bringing out them, them to fish. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. So depending on how you choose to deal with an interruption, depends on what color it can be. And any color you choose can be improved. It's, it, you know, if you, if you say, well, I had to do the red, I can show you a way of making it amber or green. And of course the aim is that you ultimately want to make it green because chances are, if you do it the green way, they'll never come and interrupt you again because you've, like you say, you've taught them to fish. That's it. You've, you've sort of, yeah, you've, you've negated the need for them to come back and ask you because you've shown them how to do it themselves. Like, yeah, I see a lot, of, a lot of logic in that. How big, um, how big a cultural adjustment is, I know speaking very broadly, like how, how big a cultural adjustment is it for organizations that want to implement something like this? Um, it depends what you mean by cultural adjustment. So um, if you were to, so I, I mean, I, I, I could give you, I could give you two ends of the spectrum. It can, it can be a massive one. It can be a not massive one. Um, so one of the very first people, uh, probably about third or fourth person I ever did a diary detox with, and I wrote a book about it, um, and I referenced them in the book, not by name. Um, there is a point during the T step, D-E-T-O-X, T is for targets. During the target step, you actually turn the colors on in their diary. Up until that point, you're just assigning the categories, but you don't ever show the colors like a big reveal. Mm-hmm. And we revealed the colors to them and they got a little bit unhappy. They weren't happy at all. In fact, they got quite defensive. And of course they weren't getting defensive against me. They were, they, they were really more embarrassed 
about what they saw. Um, and yeah, that, that, that can be a real challenging one. But you know what? The, the real important thing is that this is their decision. They see what's happening. You know, I, I never turn around to somebody and say, this is what you're doing. You need to change it. That would never work. What I do is I show them the tool. They make the choices and they go, crikey, that, that's what's really happening to me then, right? It's a bit embarrassing. Or, oh, I don't like that. I don't like that. It's like, I know you don't like it and I know it's embarrassing, but it is still what it is. You know, just because you're embarrassed, it doesn't mean to say it's wrong. The question is what you're going to do with it. You know, do you want to not listen to it? And I've had people say, no, don't agree. And you go, okay, <laughs> I can't really change that. But then there are other people at the other end of the spectrum where they, they, you know, I had a CEO of a business and it was quite clear after his T-step when the reveal came in that I would say 80% of his time was Amber. And it, was, it, it wasn't the best type of Amber. It was the directing. He would spend all his time on email barking out orders. You do this. 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 And every so often come back and say, have you done it yet? Have you done it yet? Have you done it yet? You do this. You do this. And of course, he was getting no time. When he went on holiday, he was always on his email because he couldn't leave anybody alone because without him, they didn't know what the heck to do. Yeah. When he saw this, he just went, so that's not my job as the CEO. <laughs> and it was like, I don't think so. Um, and from that moment, he flipped. Actually, I did a video about this last week. He flipped too far. He actually went completely green. Right. And of course, what he ended up doing is when, when he was going around giving people orders, he stopped giving people orders and started doing all the strategic blue sky stuff. But of course, what happened there is people were kind of going, I, I, I don't know what's going on now. I don't know what I'm supposed to do. So he had to be kind of brought back a little bit. So right. I, I think regardless, it, it, it's a culture change because... We, we, we spend so long in, in organizations. Where, I mean, when you look at learning and development and courses, those courses, I don't know if you've ever noticed this. I've noticed this recently. A lot of the courses I've been on, in fact, almost every course I've been on, it never tells me how to stop doing something bad. It always tells me how to do something well. And the biggest challenge we have right now is the only reason we don't engage with courses is because when we look at it, I mean, that guy said, how am I going to find time to do all this new stuff when, I have, when I've already got this on my plate? Mm. He needs to be shown how to get the stuff off his plate to be able to A, engage with the training, and B, use it when he got back in the office. Because most don't. They just throw it away and say, yeah, I'm realistic. Mm -hmm. so it just doesn't gel with what their understanding of their sort of reality is. Absolutely my point. And so it, it, it is a culture shock. And for the first time, I think what I'm, you know, I, I mean, this business has been going for like three years, uh, two and a half to three years now. And what's really very interesting is at the very beginning, I was very much focusing on the, hey, look, this is all the stuff that you should be doing. This is all the green and amber stuff. Isn't it great? Blah, 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 blah. What I've now started to focus on more is this is all the red and, red and brown stuff you're doing. How do you feel about that stuff? Because if you can show people that 20 to 50% of their time is red and brown, when it should be nothing like that, then they automatically start thinking, well, how do I stop doing that then? Because we all know what you'll do with that space. You'll do the green and amber stuff. Um, so it, it's getting people to stop. I mean, that's why I say I help managers who are too busy to do the right stuff because they're too busy wasting time doing the wrong stuff. And that's the real focus on it. And I think that like it, it is so sort of, for me, it's like, it's, it's such a timely offering given that 
I think most people now are, well, the majority of people, I would say, are still working like outside of sort of the visibility of the people who they're reporting into and, and things mm. like that. So, I mean, from a, you know, to kind of bring it back to sort of the, the, the flexible or remote working side of things, I think, you know, one of the big, you know, kind of one of the big themes that this ties a lot into is, is, is trust, you know, and accountability <laughs> to a certain extent, because, you know, fundamentally you are going out on a bit of a limb by, you know, giving your employee, I mean, you know, let's not be, you know, let, let's call it what it is. A few months ago, it wasn't going out on a limb. It was a necessity. You know, all of a sudden, if you <laughs> could work from home, you were being sort of softly mandated to work from home. Um, and I, you know, I feel like maybe even officially the guidelines haven't quite changed in that regard, but we are sort of seeing through necessity, people needing to go back to work. Um, but a lot of organizations that I'm speaking to, and I'm sure that, that you're speaking to as well, Paul, they're sort of embracing more of this, this blended approach as it relates to, you know, where people work and sort of the hours at which they work. And we're sort of now, um, I guess, having to be a lot more accountable to the outputs rather than sort of the hours that we keep. So something like this, it stands to reason that you're basically freeing people up to, to do more of the the important things, whether that be from a personal accountability or kind of more of a managerial responsibility perspective. I think, yeah, I mean, definitely. And the real focus from the flexible working point of view from Diary Detox's angle is the managerial point of view, because we, we actually don't really have a huge problem with individuals per se, not doing what they should do. They're usually pretty good at doing it. The biggest thing, the biggest barrier to flexible working hasn't been that we haven't had enough people wanting to do flexible working. That's never been the problem. The biggest problem we've had is the managers that stand in its way because they say one of two things. They either say, how on earth am I going to know that they're working when they're not in front of me? That's one big thing. And then the second thing is, if I give it to one person, I have to give it to everybody. And actually, the second one is just a corollary of the first one. Because if you didn't have any issues with the first one, you wouldn't care about the second one. Because what that really means is you've got the managing flexibly down pat. And therefore, we don't care how many people have it. And it's really interesting, actually, because as co I mean, the, flexible working was an area in which I was looking to leverage, obviously, as I said about last year with Flexbo. Um, and I'm talking at their event, the Business Digital Summit um, next month. Um, one of the, That was always an area that I was going to go and look at. It wasn't anything really to do with the individual. It was always to do with the manager. And there is this there is this Goldilocks zone I would say, I've never called it that before. You are the first one. You have, a, you have an exclusive here on your podcast. Um, there's this Goldilocks zone for man managers because what's going to happen at the moment in the unenlightened, flexible working manager world, yeah. you are either going to have one of three things. You're going to have extreme number one, which is completely hands-off and they're not watching what their people are doing. They have no idea whether they're achieving what they need to achieve or how many hours they're working. They are just, and you use the word trust. I think it's a really, it's a really important word to point out. because I think language is massively important in leadership and management is when we say trust, we don't really mean trust because trust. I mean, if you think about it, you trust your partner. Uh, 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 do you have a partner? Uh, not currently. So if anyone's interested, I'm accepting applications. <laughs> So let's say you had a partner 
Also, uh, look, think back to when you did have a partner. I have had a partner. I was going to say, I, I, have, I, have, I have had one. So, yes, I, I, I know. <laughs> yeah, no, I, <laughs> I know what it's like to, well, no, so elaborate. But yeah, I, I was so, to, to that point, I would say, like, I know what it feels like to, to trust someone, but I have a feeling you're going to say, but that's not actually what trust is or whatever. So, well, here's the thing. So, think back to when you had a partner that you mm -hmm. trusted. Um, did you feel that the only way you could trust that partner was by watching what they were doing to make sure that they didn't do anything horrible? No, I'd say it's the opposite. The trust is the fact that you don't have to view them doing anything that you might not like because you, okay. have, that you have that implicit faith that they won't do it. And, and herein lies the problem because what managers are hearing at the moment is you need to trust your people more. And it's like, no, you don't. That isn't, that, that isn't management. Management isn't just about blind faith. Yeah. Do you know what? Everything will be cool. I'll come back and hey, the words magic, the work, the, the work has magically been done. That is yeah. not, well, that is trust, but that's not what we need. Mm -hmm. So that's the one extreme. So the manager completely hands off, not watching, not knowing what's going on. And before you know it, something's gone wrong. You didn't know. And, and it's like, oh no, now what do I do? And what happens then is you become really distrustful. And then you go to the other extreme. Now the other extreme is that you're watching all the time always watching you i know exactly what you're doing i'm going to call you every five minutes and why is that thing on your thing gone to why's it gone to red why are you not at your desk are you are you not working are you not doing yeah. what i told you to do now that is micromanagement okay let's be clear that's the other extreme then you've got the goldilocks zone okay and everybody calls this trust and you can't call it trust because it's not what it is and language is really important because we know what trust is to us Mm -hmm. And what that is, is that you are spending a reasonable amount of your time checking in with people. So when you give them a task, you'll say, so what are you thinking? What, what, what do you think in terms of time frame? When do you think you can deliver it? And how often should we catch up to check it's going okay? And what would we expect to see along the way at various points? Mm -hmm. Agree that up front and at those points, check in. Okay. Mm -hmm. That's what the Goldilocks zone is. Okay. And, and of course, if you check in at one of those points and it's not going as, as well, you might make those points a little bit closer together. You might check a little yes. bit more because yes. that's what you do. That's the Goldilocks zone. So in my world, what this translates to is this world over here is when you see very little of the amber behavior. So very, so in a manager's world, very little amber behavior means very little monitoring, which could mean you you're, you're in trust zone and that's not good. Over here, micromanagement is where you have a lot of amber behavior. You're always looking and monitoring and monitoring and monitoring and monitoring and monitoring. Yep. In here, you have just the right amount of monitoring. So that just kind of shows you where diary detox can play a part in many different facets, but in mm -hmm. flexible working, just having that indicator for the person themselves to see what they're doing. But also, if you're managing the manager, I could look at your time and say, so, so let's just go through. So, how, so tell me about what's going on in your diary right now and how much, how much monitoring are you doing and talk me through it. And that gives me as your manager a sense of whether or not you're struggling to manage your people remotely. That's where the real value comes in because we can all kid ourselves that we're doing the right thing. But there's one thing that is absolutely true, I believe, which is that you will do what you believe. And if I look in your diary at the colors, I can get a sense about what you believe. It's a really powerful thing. Even if you think you're a great leader, I can tell by looking at your diary whether you are or not. Or at least I can have a really good idea and I can start having a conversation with you about it. That's fascinating stuff, Paul. Fascinating stuff. I um, 
Well, look, it's I, come uh, from, I, it's come from many years of pain, believe me. I don't, I don't doubt it, man. That's where, that's where all good, uh, good art comes from. I think from, from feelings of hurt and, and being let down in the past. I'm going to, um, I'm going to let you go, Paul, but before I do, thank you very much for your time, of course, but before I do, I've got one last question for you now. I'm going to go out on a limb here and assume that you've saved yourself a lot of time being in the know such as you are. Uh, so what's one of your, just what, what's one of your favorite ways to spend your time nowadays? Wow. Um, I do quite a lot of things or I have a lot of things I can do. Um, I'm a pianist. I'm a, I'm a pilot, a private pilot. Amazing. Um, but the most, and obviously I spend time with my family and walking the dog, etc., and with friends. The thing that I really enjoy doing at the moment is um, I've set myself a challenge this year of doing um, the London classics in one year. And that is completing uh, the London Marathon, uh, Ride London, which is a 100 mile ride and uh, swim serpentine, which is a 3.2 kilometer swim normally around the serpentine lake. Mm -hmm. I've set myself a plan to do it in one year and I'm doing it all for charity. And I completed ride 100 last weekend in eight wow. hours and 13 minutes. It's a it lot was, of time in the saddle. Oh, you have no idea. And I, 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 really won't tell you, I, I won't tell you how, that, how that's impacting me right now. But um, so what I'm basically doing is I'm doing it all for charity. So people can maybe if, I, if you wouldn't mind me sending you a couple of links. Of um, people could um, donate to my Just Giving page. 100%. Um, but also I wrote a book for the Diary Detox. I'll show you because it's a, it's a shameless plug. It's called What Are You Doing? What Are You Doing? What Are You Doing? Hence the colours. Um, yeah. And if anybody buys the book and it's available as um, on Amazon, audiobook, um, paperback, etc., um, all of the proceeds go to the charity. Hey, fantastic. Brilliant. That's excellent, Paul. Well, look, thank you again for joining me on the show. If you just want to quickly let people know where they can find you if they want to hear more. Um, so drop a few, plug some of your, your socials and, and, and details. No, no phone numbers, but we can do emails or socials if you want. Of course, I'll link them uh, in the show um, in the notes. But we'll, uh, yeah, where's the best way for people to get a hold of you? Uh, probably two ways, the best. Um, first one is via my website. So the website is uh, diary not dairy people get that confused diarydetox.com um, is the first place and the second one is on linkedin and um, that's where i'm mostly active so paul holbrook um and i'm on linkedin i think it's put down as paul holbrook flpi fellow of the learning and performance institute fantastic well look paul once again thank you very much for joining me thank you for inviting me my pleasure speak to you soon bye And that was the fantastic Hall Polbrook, creator of The Diary Detox. And I really do recommend that if anybody's looking to find a few extra hours in the day, they get in touch with Paul. Well, that's been the first episode back after furlough, everybody. I'm happy to say that I've got some fantastic guests lined up. So look out for some regular scheduled HR and engagement related programming coming from your boy Benny Lind. Um, if you want to get at me on LinkedIn, please do to keep in touch with things from the show. It's hashtag talking engagement. And as always, you can get in touch with us at talkingengagementpod at gmail.com. So that's enough from me. I hope everybody's keeping well. And until next time, stay engaged. Bye.